As part of Ferrari Fridays, William Ross from the Exotic Car Marketplace will be discussing all things Ferrari and interviewing people that live and breathe the Ferrari brand. Topics range from road cars to racing, drivers to owners, as well as auctions, private sales, and trends in the collector market. And welcome back to the Fire Marketplace. I'm your host, William Ross, and hope everyone's checking out the Motoring Podcast Network, MPN, and uh, we're adding new things on a regular basis, so a lot of exciting things coming. we got uh, some awesome new shows that are going to be headed our way to be uh, hosted on the site, so be sure to keep checking that out. I'm your host, William Ross, and today for Ferrari Friday, we are going to be talking about Ferrari. The movie, <laughs> not just Ferrari's help. We're going to be talking about Ferrari, the movie. So I was thinking about, I, I actually went and saw the movie the first day it came out. Now, I don't know where it releases, whatnot, but up in where I'm at by Cleveland, Ohio, uh, it got released on Christmas Eve. So me and I drove my old man to it to go see it, bought him his ticket to make sure he'd go with me. So I wasn't sitting there like some weirdo by myself, but I wouldn't have cared anyways. But anyway, so I went and saw it for the first showing that they had that day on Christmas Eve, so we could, I could check it out because I was all excited for this movie. You know, and been got what the year, year and a half prior, to, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff I saw, some leaked stuff of shots and everything like that, and they're shooting in the square, everything like that. So, you know, I was really, really excited for it, and then kind of the stuff you saw in the build up to it, saying, "Hey, yeah, the tracks are pretty good," everything like that. And spoiler, it was. But again, like I said, I thought about doing it right after I saw it. But then I kind of had a thought like, well, you know what? I don't want to kind of do a spoiler for anybody. I don't want to rain on anybody's parade or anything like that. Just wants to go see it because obviously holidays, Christmas, you know, not everyone, you know, is the nutcase about Ferrari like me is going to run out immediately and go see it. So, like, I know my man Eric there, you know, crew chief Eric over at Break Fix, you know, I know he was trying to see it, but the closest place he could go was like an hour away from where he lives. I am down in Palm Beach right now. Actually, I'm in Lake Worth, Florida right now because I just attended Cavallino that was up at the Breakers Hotel. So, I did a verbal stay in this cool little cottage just in the backyard of some nice cool little house in Lake Worth. If you ever been down to, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Lake Worth, the area, but it's it's a really cool little area, uh, cool little cottages and everything like that. You know, everything's kind of set up in uh, like a beachy, you know, kind of way. Uh, supposedly, it's got the largest, I guess, um, collection of all these cottages, like over a thousand of them that are just kind of lined up and down in this one area. So really cool. Um, you know, and the verbal was, you know, not that expensive. It was pretty cool. Uh, speak to you, parked right in the back. The one cool thing was, is I if you check out my videos, um, take a look at those on YouTube. I hope you've uh, liked and subscribed to my videos and then checked out the YouTube channel, Garage 65 or the Ferrari Marketplace. Garage 65 is two words, garage and the word 60 spelled out, then the number five. And the reasoning behind that, if I haven't mentioned it before, is because garage, the number six and five, was going to cost an arm and a leg for the website. It was going to be like three grand for GoDaddy. Garage 65 with the word 60 spelled out was, you know, a dollar for the first year. So do the math. So anyways, 
getting back to it, like I said, I didn't want to do a rehash or just a, a, a review of the movie right off the bat because I, I wanted everyone to go see it. I wanted everyone to get their own opinion about it, you know, kind of, you know, see what their thoughts were, everything, you know, and it's been very positive. But the one thing I really want to stress to everybody, and, you know, and I, I posted up some things on LinkedIn and around the thing, just some little brief synopsis. I didn't get into the details because I didn't want to kind of spoil it for anybody. But it's, this is not a documentary. This is not factual. This is not trying to tell you exactly how things were in 1957 and the buildup. There's, you know, obviously there's a lot of leeway because it's a movie. It's entertainment. So please remember that. This is not a documentary. This is just for entertainment value. It's just, you know, to go spend a few hours at the movie theater checking it out. That's all I really want to stress to everyone out there before they go see it, if you haven't seen it already. Like I said, I watched it a second time. I downloaded and watched it on the plane on the flight down here, um, three-hour flight. So that killed some time, and I was actually starting, and I was reading the, the Brock Yates uh, book, the Enzo book. I'd already read the other one by Luca. I don't know if I can't remember, I can't ever pronounce his name, but the Italian guy. I read that one prior, uh, and Brock Yates' books kind of got a lot of similar, you know, similarities to it, uh, but obviously it's just a different viewpoint. I think it's a little more to the point and not so, I want to I say fluffy. Um, Luca's book was, I, I want to say, you know, it was, I don't want to say putting Enzo in a positive light. I, I don't know how I really want to word it. You know, he um, he wasn't going to be negative, I guess you could say, or just, I guess, see all, you know, I guess you'd say all warts and blisters and everything like that. Where in Brock Gates' books, he's going all warts and blisters, in essence. You know, not all of them extremely in-depth, but, I mean, you know, he doesn't pull any punches, which is great. So, anyway, back about the movie. Now, as we all know, the movie's based on 1957 and that short period, just a few months of when the Mio Amelia was going to take place. Obviously, actually, the last Mio Amelia to ever take place. If you listen to the last two episodes, myself, John Summers, and Crew Chief Eric went over these and, you know, kind of got in-depth with the two-parter because there was a lot to kind of uh, unload and go over. So, but take a listen to those if you like. But again, the movie takes place in that short period in 1957. You know, obviously, you know, Enzo's getting to that point. You know, racing's getting a lot more expensive. You know, how familiar you are with his racing background and history in regards to what they competed in. But they competed in everything. Because one of the things that he did to kind of, I guess, augment cash, you know, earnings, is, you know, he got a percentage of the uh, driver's winnings. So, you know, but he covered, you know, bills and whatnot, got the car, but he'd also, you know, get a percentage and sometimes he got, you know, start money, that kind of stuff. But, you know, a big portion of how he made money was through getting winnings from the driver. Right? He could be anywhere from, you know, 40, 50 percent, 30 percent, depending on the driver, you know, obviously to entice them to drive his cars. And they won quite a lot, but, you know, they ran and raced in everything, you know. At that point in time, Formula One, they were doing endurance racing, um, you know, they were doing hill climbs, you know. And in that period of time, I mean, there was probably a race going on in some shape or form every weekend over in Europe because it was just absolutely massive in regards to the popularity of the sport. So, I mean, you could go anywhere, just in Italy alone itself, and go and race somewhere pretty much probably every weekend and find an event, you know, and how much, you know, winning drives and whatnot, you know, obviously it's going to vary depending on the promoter and the event and everything like that. But, you know, I know for like the Mille Amelia and Target Florida, you know, they, they did pretty well because, you know, they entered quite a few cars. 
Now, again, go back and listen to the podcast we did covering the million, million, kind of going over it. But, you know, starting out in the first, you know, obviously pre-war, there wasn't really Scuderia Ferrari technically as Ferrari, the cars. There was Scuderia Ferrari as a team for Alfa Romeo, but, you know, they competed, Enzo raced, you know, they did pretty well. Um, you know, and obviously, as we know, Enzo wasn't that bad of a racer himself either. So post-war, coming back, 1947 was the first race back. He only had two cars entered. And so, but subsequent years going forward, obviously that, you know, grew because obviously in 48, he won with Clemente being dead. So as that goes, and, you know, they make this comment in the movie. So this was never something that was created by NASCAR. It wasn't anything like that. It was basically kind of by these guys is, hey, win on Sunday, sell on Monday. That was the motto, and it's actually even in the movie. Movie, it gets make that, that comment gets made. So see if you catch it in there. But it does get stated. That comment does make the statement in there. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little tidbit. You know, um, it's just held true no matter what race series manufacturer. What, hey, win on Sunday, sell on Monday. But as we know at that point in time, obviously. In 1957, you know, they make reference to it that they only sold the previous year. So in 1956, 98 cars, you know, Enzo thinks it's more. He's not really into all the minute details in regards to running his business. He's more focused on the racing, the cars being faster, building the motors, you know, and hey, horsepower, everything like that. And as we know, he was always about, you know, motor in front, you know, the ox, ox pulls the cart. Um, you know, doesn't push it, you know, hence his big reluctance to go to mid-engine cars, you know, the big onslaught from the uh, British entourages coming in with the rear-engine cars, and obviously we know that proves superior, so he obviously had to, you know, go that route, but at this point in time, everything's still, you know, basically all front-engine. Uh, in 1957, you know, he's running, you know, that's when the infamous Testarossa day came out, but they also had the 500TR, 500TRCs racing that, um, but the big cars that they had in there were the 315s and the 335s. So obviously the difference between those displacement, uh, a few more horsepower, everything like that, torque-wise. 315s were obviously just a little more reliable, a little bit easier on the car, whereas the 335s were a little more uh, abusive to the base, especially the rear ends, the back transaxles, the rear axles, the suspension, uh, just getting beaten and everything like that. And, you got to understand, you know, these guys are having like, you know, 30, 40, 50 gallon gas tanks in these cars. So you start out a race and you're going balls out and, you know, that thing's taking a beating. But as, as you use the gas, it gets lighter. But you make a pit stop, bam, they're loading that back up and these things are taking abuse. So there you go. So because a lot of the cars in that 1957 race, especially Peter Collins, who and just a side note, the great photographer, Peter Klamaski, was his co-pilot taking some great stuff in that. But he was winning majority of the race. Uh, till his rear end kind of broke on him. So, but anyway, let's start with the movie in the beginning. So, you know, it starts out, and again, you know, and I got to say Penelope Cruz plays a great role as Laura, as uh, a lady that plays Enzo's mother. It's hilarious. She's just a short little Italian lady. But, you know, <laughs> and just Cheyenne, Cheyenne or Shailene Woodley is playing Lena Lardy, his mistress, mistress forever that, you know, he she bore Piero. Lardy, but then obviously it turns to Piero Ferrari uh, subsequent down the road after Laura dies. But I will say this, they were very gracious in regards to the the looks, I guess you could say, about them. Because if 
you look at some photos back in the day, neither of those women were very good lookers. I mean, uh, Lena was obviously a little bit better, more attractive than Laura was, but they're not very handsome women, I guess you could say. So, I don't know, because like I said, Enzo, like, you know, he wasn't like to say the most attractive guy either, but so, anyways. So, they were very, you know, gracious in that fact. So, and it starts out, you know, obviously 1957, Dino's already died, so his son's already passed away, so it's always the point of contention between, obviously, Enzo and Laura, because Laura, it seems in the movie, is blaming, I guess he's, you know, blaming, blaming Enzo for his death and not saving him, but, you know, he had muscular dystrophy. There was no savings. Back then, it wasn't going to happen. So, you know, it's amazing that Dino lived till he was 26. That's, you know, that was even unbelievable for that day and age. So, and at that, by this point in time, though, is when it starts, she's not aware of Piero. How true this is, I don't know, but she's not aware of it. Then through some going to the bank and whatnot, she discovers, you know, finds out about him, you know, and finds out about uh, Lena, and then finds out about Piero, all this. And that's when she makes the, you know, kind of thing, and he's a... Enzo basically flat out says that, you know, he loves Lena, you know, hey, obviously he loves Piero because it's his son, uh, but Laura makes the statement and I guess, you know, puts her fist down and says, he will not have the Ferrari name until after I die. And as you know, Laura dies in 1978 and in 1979, even maybe sooner, 78, right after Laura dies, Piero takes on the Ferrari name, so now he's named Piero Ferrari. And just a little sidebar, he has a son or grandson, I'm sorry, grandson, I believe it is, named Enzo Ferrari. I believe it's Enzo. He's going to, at least the last night I checked, he was a, not like I'm a stalker, but he was going to college uh, somewhere in California. I don't want to say Pepperdine or uh, somewhere out there. But anyways, so again, the movie takes a lot of leeway in regards to historical accuracy. So again, this is not a documentary. This is just entertainment. So, you know, they kind of start going into about his money woes and, you know, being approached by Ford and all this crap, which, as we know, did not happen until the 60s. So they're a little bit ahead of their time in regards to that. And then also the talks with Fiat and Anginelli, you know, giving him a call. There's, it's funny, you know, Anginelli, you know, they're talking on the phone. And he makes the comment, why didn't you call me first? He goes, I did, you know, and, uh, and you said no. Because that was 1917. <laughs> so Enzo was holding the grudge. So anyways, you know, so they, they discussed that. And again, you know, they go into everything about testing, you know, getting the cars, you know, they get on how Deportio, Alfonso Deportio, Deportago, I'll say that right. I can't do you know, accents very well. You know, coming onto the scene in 1957, um, you know, testing, he shows up, wants to introduce himself. Enzo knows who he is because he bought a car from him the previous year or prior or something like that. So he's aware he is, and he knows that he won the Tour de France uh, previously, and I want to say it was in a Ferrari. Uh, and those, not, those who aren't familiar with the Tour de France, take a look at it. It was a grueling, grueling race. Not only a rose, but a racetrack, time trials, everything like that. But it was, yeah, that was a pretty impressive uh, undertaking if you took part in that and you won. So anyway, so DePargo, DePargo comes onto the scene. And he goes and tests because, um, is it Vera? God, I can't, my mind's going blank. The testing at the track, you know, um, who knows, the Castellati? Who, who dies? God, I can't remember. Watch the movie, you'll see it. I can't remember off the top of my head. My mind's going blank. Um, anyways, you know, he's wanting to do it. He's like, oh, no, no, this and that. You know, I don't have any driver. I have my driver, everything like that. So, Barra comes into town about setting a fast lap. So Enzo calls up 
Castellati, and if I'm and if I'm wrong in the names, I'm sorry. I apologize. Like I said, I, this is I believe that's who it is. I, I don't have my notes in front of me because I'm uh, down in Florida and I'm, I'm doing this while I have some time. So, anyways, he calls the cast. I say, "Bring your gloves, blah blah blah. Come, you know, the Bears coming into town to you know test and you know in a Maserati and break the time." So, anyways, he goes to track. The four goes. Uh, at, the, at the track in there, and he's pushing a real hard catch line, and then he, you know, dies and gets himself killed. So, and then Enzo looks at the program and says, be in my office Monday. So, he gets to drive that way because Kesselina got killed. Um, and again, or whoever was driving it, again, I apologize if I'm getting the names wrong, but you'll see the movie and you'll understand. So, anyways, so he gets the car, and obviously we know in the race what happens at the end. But, so, you got Piero Tarufi, Deporto, Peter Collins are running the cars, and you got Oliver Gendubien as your factory drivers. Gendubien's in a coupe with another gentleman in the 335s and 315s. There's a smattering, but total, there's 24 cars or 22 cars total entered, but he only got those four factory cars. So, obviously, what happens in the race, I think we're all aware of it. everything goes back and forth, whatnot. I was, like I said before, Peter Collins is, you know, is. Back axles, rear axle suspension, reserve brakes. You can't go on. Transmission shot. Uh, Deportivo's up there going, running. He gets potential. But Piero trophies, you know, this guy's run the race, you know, 16 times prior, 15 times prior. So he knows the course, ups, down, left, right. He, he's got it down pat. So obviously going through the whole race, everything, we get to the end. Um, you know, I, I think we know what happens because of the accident. And I will say this, it's a pretty brutal, I know it's CGI, but. That's pretty brutal how they depict that accident that the Pargo gets into and takes out those people. Now, one thing I thought was interesting, I don't know if you ever, I was looking at some of the notes, some, of the, you know, some interviews with Michael Mann, and supposedly when he went to scout that area where the accident happened, some old man came out and actually asked, hey, what are you doing? And he explained it to him, and he's like, oh, because I was there. He goes, you know, and his brother had died. He actually was one of the kids that was in the farmhouse that picked it or whatever, they came out to watch it now, if they were eating dinner, again, how much it I don't know, but he got that from this old man. So he put that in there, but the old man said, oh yeah, that was my brother. Yes, I, we came out, blah, blah, and then he, his brother was killed. So I thought that was kind of interesting, so getting it right from the horse's mouth. So that's probably pretty accurate depicting how that was, but again, I can't guarantee it. That's you know, going from you know a director of a movie that's trying to sell tickets, so who knows. But anyways, you know, the photography of the movie, the racing's great in it. Um, like, it, I don't know how much you've looked into the cars that they were utilizing. They obviously were not actual, real, legitimate Ferraris. They were recreations done out of this firm out of Italy. And they, they look phenomenal. I mean, they did a hell of a job building those. Um, you know, if you look into who, you know, Paratrooper is Patrick Dempsey. Uh, uh, was it uh, Derek Hill, Phil Hill's son, you know, is in there as well. You know, there's some, you know, names that you should be familiar with that actually portray some of these drivers. So, you know, you have legit guys, you know, running. So, but the race is really good. The engines sound glorious. Like I said, I don't know if that's with the engines they're using or that was just dubbed in sound. But I got to say is they did a phenomenal job. I, I really, really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. And again, I took it back. It's entertainment. This is not a documentary. I highly recommend you go see it if you haven't. Um, and if you have, if you're like me, I bought it so I can watch it, you know, 10 times over again and again when I get bored because I feel it's just that entertaining. Adam Driver, I thought he did a great job as Enzo Ferrari. Obviously, the, the, you know, going between how Enzo looks and Adam Driver looks, you know, but there, but I thought he did an excellent job of portraying him. 
you know, only things I've ever seen of Enzo, I'm sure the majority of people as, you know, interviews he did or, you know, recordings, not really kind of any personal stuff. So how much that is true in regards to that, don't know. But I thought he did an excellent job. Like I said, Penelope Cruz did a great job as Laura. Uh, you know, as we know, she ruled everything with the Iron Fist. You know, she uh, basically created the the mutiny there at Ferrari where all these, you know, you know uh, higher-ups left because they were just sick and tired of all their meddling in everything that was going on. But, you know, it seems to be how true it is, again, if the movie's depicted as accurate, you know, she seemed to kind of have very good control and oversight of what was going on with the finances. So, again, I highly recommend seeing it if you have not seen it yet. You know, leave your comments below. Shoot me an email. Let me know your thoughts. You know, I always like to get hear other people's opinion. Like I said, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Everyone's going to find, you know, the nuances, everything, some things are wrong with it. Everyone wants to nitpick it, you know, but, you know, hey, so be it. You have that right. So, but check out the movie. I highly recommend it. You know, it's, I, I, you know, I feel it's, you know, well portrayed, you know, and if you haven't read the books, read both the books and it kind of, you'll see that, you know, hey, they're kind of following the book pretty closely. So, which is really nice. Like I said, Brock Hayes is doing the next job. I'm about halfway through his book. Um, but, you know, reading the other book, they're both about 800, 900 pages long. So, I mean, they're pretty in-depth in going to it. But the books actually, you know, are starting from basically his, the beginning of Enzo's, you know, hey, in life and going forward and all the way to the end. So it really kind of, it doesn't encapsulate that whole time period just itself in those 800 pages. But when you get to those points in the book, you're talking about it. You know, the million million was extremely, extremely important to Enzo Ferrari. Obviously, in selling cars, and we have, you know, history starts, it's going forward as we all know what happens. So, again, I appreciate all you guys listening. I'm William. I'm your host. Like I said, leave some comments below. Shoot me an email, william at thefarrymarketplace.com. Uh, and, hey, check out the YouTube channels, the Ferrari Marketplace, and also check out Garage 65. Uh, obviously, the Ferrari Marketplace is, just deals with everything Ferrari. Garage 65, it covers everything. I go over all different types of cars and check out events and everything like that. So um, take a look at both those and hit the subscribe button on those things to help support the channel. Uh, remember, check out the Motoring Podcast Network. we got a lot of great things coming this year, so we're going to be blowing things up. So hit that like and subscribe button. Keep track. I appreciate everyone listening. And back to you next Friday with talking about Cavalino. Thanks, guys. This episode has been brought to you by Grand Touring Motorsports as part of our Motoring Podcast Network. For more episodes like this, tune in each week for more exciting and educational content from organizations like the Exotic Car Marketplace, the Motoring Historian, Brake Fix, and many others. If you'd like to support Grand Touring Motorsports and the Motoring Podcast Network, sign up for one of our many sponsorship tiers at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. Please note that the content, opinions, and materials presented and expressed in this episode are those of its creator, and this episode has been published with their consent. If you have any inquiries about this program, please contact the creators of this episode via email or social media, as mentioned in the episode.